Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, wherever you are and however you may be listening, welcome to the first November edition of the Sports Rivals. That's Ernie and I, Monty, and together we are going to cover the world of sports. And this is a packed week of sports, both locally and nationally, with big trades in the NBA, week 10 in the uh, week nine in the NFL, big games locally here in high school football and college. But I do have to say, Ernie's come down with a little bit of a cold, so he's going to give it the best that he can, but expect some coughing during this episode, but that's not going to stop his opinions. So let's start first with the amazing victory by the Warrior football team. Ernie, last couple of weeks, we were talking about how the season had kind of gone off the rails. We were convinced... Uh, that they were not going to win any more games the rest of this season. Somehow they go up to Nevada and they win pretty easily by by their standards. It was a 27 to 14 uh, victory. They dominated in terms of yardage, holding Nevada to you know under 300 yards of total offense. But the big key, Ernie. We won the turnover battle oh, yeah. for the first time in God knows how long. Oh, yeah. Zero turnovers by Schrager. Uh, some semblance of a running game with uh, <coughs> Land, uh, <coughs> Landon. Collins and Schrager. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's the formula. I think uh, when they veer away from that, that's been their demise. And, you know, I hope this puts uh, perspective in the players for the rest of the season that if they take care of the ball, they'll always have a chance. Yeah, and I think that's got to be, this is such a huge confidence boost. Timmy Chang gets his first road win. The team gets their first conference win. Their first Division One win. Yeah, I mean, so they beat Albany, they beat New Mexico State, and now they have a victory over Nevada. I still am not sure what's going to happen for the rest of the season, but I think they prove one thing. Anything is possible when you take care of the football. And that's going to be the key. If they can win the turnover battle in each of these games, they have a chance. If we go back to turning the ball over much more than we're getting, then it's going to be a, very, a, a challenge. But at least they got this win. I right. was very, we were both extremely afraid that they were going to go into the offseason on an extended losing streak. Um, this puts that to rest, makes them feel a lot better about themselves. Hopefully they can parlay that into a surprising victory over Air Force next week. But unfortunately for Hawaii, Air Force got upset this week by Army knocking them out of the top 25. So they're going to be pretty angry next week. But who knows? Anything can happen. At least with them, you don't have to worry about stopping the pass. But you are going to have to stop Stop the the run run. if you want any chance to win. Right. And for that game, I mean, uh, Air Force is, uh, you know, the antithesis of their name. They're actually the ground force. (laughs) Uh, They have been for a for all these years, and Hawaii is supposed to be the Air Force, but <clears throat> as we know with the Air Force Academy, you know, that that system that they run out, uh, out there is very ball-controlled. Hawaii is going to have to be extra. It, if they get on a big lead, don't take the big chunks, I think. You know, take the dumps, uh, you know, dump passes here and there. 
Schrager, I saw how many passes he 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 averaged ten uh, around ten uh, yards per pass completion. He's gonna have to follow the same formula. I think that's gonna at least keep where the turnovers are low. So if they can keep that formula, and it's not about winning or losing this time. If you're gonna lose, don't lose badly. Be in the game at least have a some type of chance in the second half, and that'll be good enough for me. No, I, I totally agree. So let's hope for the best. Uh, Hawaii will come home next week against the Air Force Academy. Hopefully they can keep their winning ways going on. Now, unfortunately, on the other side, the Wahine volleyball team, for the first time since 1993, it's been 30 years since they lost back-to-back home volleyball matches. Uh, they got upset Friday night, losing a five-setter to San Luis Obispo, and then they got hammered three straight to the the Big West leading Santa Barbara uh, Gauchos last night. Um, they now slipped to third place in the division. Uh, kind of disappointing. I mean, Robin Omo had the unbelievable uh, task of following Dave Shoji, and she is royalty at University of Hawaii. However, I'm starting to think that things, the ice may be thinning under Robin Amo's uh, feet because we've been long losing a lot of our top people, but we've always won the Big West. Now we're slipping down the Big West. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get the local recruits and attendance is dropping, there's only, you know, three, three to four thousand people at the Wahine matches now versus, you know, the eight to ten thousand for the men's. Right. Um, Yeah. little disappointing i mean maybe they can get things on track there is no big west tournament so it looks like they're not going to advance this year beyond uh the end of the season so go out strong the wahine hopefully you guys can finish out the season with all wins now the big news for me the game of the weekend at least locally was number one kahuku number two mililani for the oia open championship last night again nationally ranked kahuku mililani has been been unbelievable for the last couple of months and Mililani knocks off Kahuku last night 28 to 21 behind Kenny McMillan their quarterback four total touchdowns 350 yards of offense three touchdowns passing one touchdown rushing Uh, Kahuku turns over the ball a little bit too much and Mililani will go into the state tournament next week as the number one seed Punahou will be two, Kahuku will be three, and Campbell gets in with a narrow victory over Kapole as the fourth seed. So as you guys know, the Open is just four teams in there. It'll be Mililani Campbell, it'll be Kahuku Punahou, and I'm guessing there's going to be a rematch of Mililani Kahuku in the Open Championship in a few weeks. But what an incredible victory by the Mililani Trojans. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's a quarterback factory over there. I mean with McMillan falling in the long lines of <coughs> all those quarterbacks that they sent through the college ranks. Good for them. But I hope you lose against my Sabres. <laughs> Ed York, the uh, the the coach for the Mililani Trojans, went as far as to say his quarterback Kenny McMillan is not only the best quarterback in the state. He actually said he's the best quarterback in the country. Wow. So that's going to get some some notice because, as Ernie alluded to, Mackenzie Milton had tremendous success at UCF. <coughs> Dylan Gabriel, another Mililani grad, is having tremendous success at Oklahoma. Uh, Kenny McMillan may be the next in the line of 
great Mililani Trojan quarterbacks at the D1 level. So it's going to be an exciting playoff. Kahuku first loss to a Hawaii football team since 2019. Kahuku had only lost to nationally ranked opponents. This is the first loss locally, and that's going to set up a extremely interesting playoffs when that kicks around in the next week or so. So again, that's Ernie Aymanti. We are the sports rivals. Before we get into the NFL, we do have to acknowledge the fact that the Texas Rangers, <clears throat> congratulations, yep. Texas, your first World Series title ever. Uh, former Dodger Corey Seager with his second World <laughs> Series MVP. Um, they go to Arizona. They take care of business. They win three straight in relatively easy fashion. They win the World Series four games to one. Arizona Diamondbacks, tremendous postseason. Nobody in their right mind would have had them in the no. World Series. Not only did they get to the World Series, but they knocked off my Dodgers. They knocked off the Brewers. They knocked off the mighty Phillies, <laughs> only to succumb eventually to the Texas Rangers, who gets their first ever World Series title. Yeah, and you alluded to it last podcast. I mean, they haven't they haven't really defended home plate. I mean, uh, their home stadium, but on the road, they're road warriors, man. An incredible 12 and 0 during the postseason for the Texas Rangers. Crazy. 12 and 0 on the road. Man, that's just crazy. But again, congratulations to the people in Dallas and the Texas Rangers World Series champions of 2023. Now, Ernie, let's switch to the NFL. Um, The week started off on Thursday. It was a very low-stress day for Ernie today because the Pittsburgh Steelers took care of business. The way they take care of business on a weekly basis, keep the game close. Kenny Pickett plays good only in the fourth quarter. Enough to get it done as they win again uh, late. Yeah. I mean, that's the formula. I don't know how long they can uh, do. I've been saying this a week after week after week, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. But when you do it this consistently, I'll take the smoke and I'll take the mirrors any day of the week. Uh, Tennessee had that ground control. You know, Steelers played that uh, bend, don't break defense. <clears throat> they didn't really have that uh, turnover uh, margin that I thought they would have. But then, then again, when you run a ground attack like Tennessee, that's hard. It's, it's really uh, hard to take. Uh, Tennessee's got a real good defense, too. But, yeah, give it, give it to Kenny Pickett. And Matt Canada, offensive coordinator, comes down from the booth to hit the sidelines. And I think that helped a little bit. And he's getting a perspective and being able to talk to the personnel on the field. I'm hoping that's a trend that continues. And I hope that success continues. Well, they continue to be remarkable. I mean, the Steelers are 5-3, and three and you would just not think that statistically they shouldn't be. No. But they are. They're 5-3 and three and right in the thick of the AFC playoff picture. Uh, unfortunately for me, on the flip side, my Rams, it's all over. Matthew Stafford sits out today. Uh, they have no offense whatsoever. There's too many injuries that are starting to pile up. They go into their bye week next week. Maybe uh, Stafford comes back the week after that, and maybe we can get on track. But it looks like the, the Rams are going to suffer the same fate as last year as Without depth, once you start to have certain injuries, it's impossible. They've lost their running backs. Now they lost their quarterback. They lost two 
two of their offensive linemen. They lost their middle linebacker, uh, and it's starting to show. Rams rolled last week by Dallas and rolled today by the lowly Green Bay Packers by a score of 20-3. to The Rams could generate absolutely nothing behind Brett Rippon. But so much for the gloom news. Let's just kind of quickly go through uh, what's happening in the NFL. Currently, right now, as we are watching, the Cincinnati Bengals are leading Buffalo 21 to 10 with 12 minutes remaining in that one. But it started off today in Frankfurt, Germany. With the Kansas City Chiefs hanging on, jump out to a 21-0 lead, hang on, 21-14 to go to 7-2. Your thoughts on the marquee matchup before the Dallas-Philadelphia? Yeah, I thought Kansas City took advantage of a lot of uh, gifted opportunities, uh, you know, given away by the Miami offense over there with their turnovers and whatnot. Uh, Valiant comeback by Tua and the boys came up a little short. It was a very exciting uh, Game. I think the people in Germany actually got a, a nail-biter there at the end, especially if you became a Miami fan. I think it was pro-Kansas City, if I look. Uh, well, technically, it was a Kansas City home uh, game. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe, maybe they control it in that regard. Yeah, but <clears throat> that was a good game. Neutral field. This only tells me that, you know what, if they were to play again on another neutral field, the, the scripts could change. I didn't see Kansas City really dominating that much other than the first half. Second half, Miami had them on their heels. Really, until the end, I thought they were going to win. They had the momentum. I thought they were going to go in for that touchdown, but the game in a little bit short. Good for the Kansas City Chiefs, though. Yeah, so I think with Miami, and again, Ernie and I are here in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and we're huge to a Tongo Vailoa fans, as is the entire state of Hawaii. But I think right now, I think there is a pattern with the Miami Dolphins. They are dominant against teams that are under 500, mm-hmm. and now they have lost three games to teams that are over 500. But. As a caveat to that, I think we have to really take into consideration how they lost these games. At Buffalo, that was a nightmare spot. They got rolled by them. Then at Philadelphia, coming off an upset loss by Philadelphia. And then today in a neutral field against the Chiefs who came off a loss last week. So there are a lot of things against the Miami Dolphins. I actually thought today's game was closer than I expected it Mm -hmm. to be. Uh, I think they showed themselves pretty well against Philadelphia. They were 17-17 before the, the Eagles put them away late. And then today they showed heart coming back and had an opportunity to tie or win the game late uh they just fumbled away literally fumbled Fumbled away away. the last lap the last snap so i am i'm i'm kind of confused by miami i'm not sure how good they are they're clearly able to dominate you if they're better than you but against the good teams i'd like to see them knock off the Bills in Miami or the Jets or somebody um, to show that they are for real. But that second half was was a positive sign. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's that 70-point win that's probably in the back of their heads. Probably the other teams are, are... You know, reminding them of that. Ernie had referred to it as karma way back when. Yeah. So let's take a quick run through the league. Uh, Miami still in first place at six and three, especially if Buffalo does not come back against the Bengals. They're at five and three. The Jets play tomorrow against the Chargers. They sit in four and three. The Patriots lose again. They lose late to the Commanders. They fall to two and seven. 
Baltimore rolls again today. Ernie had that one. He had the Ravens laying the points and just lay it. They did 37 to three to go to seven and two. We talked about Ernie Steelers. Um, they move to. Five and three. Uh, the Browns with a dominant victory, giving up 59 yards of total offense to the lowly Cardinals. They are now at five and three, heading into a showdown with Baltimore next week. And then the Bengals looks like if they can hang on, they're going to be at five and three. So everybody in the AFC North is going to be five and three or better, uh, proving to be that they are top to bottom the best conference, uh, the best division in the NFL. The Jags had a day off. They're six and two. Houston Texans behind the incredible rookie CJ Stroud. Real. 470 yards to set a rookie all-time passing record for one game five touchdowns including a 75 yard drive with 49 seconds left to win the game cj stroud looks like the real deal the texans go to four and four the colts win in carolina to go to four and five and we talked about the steelers knocking off the titans they slip to three and five although will levis has looked pretty good through his first two starts kansas city at seven and two uh um, the Chargers play tomorrow. The Raiders get a victory over the Giants to go to four and five, and Denver goes to three and five. So, real quick on the on the Raiders, they have a stinker against the Lions last week Monday. They come out, they fire Josh McDaniels, they fire the GM. Today they play massively inspired football, rolling the Giants. Now let's the Giants are lowly, and Daniel Jones did apparently tear his ACL early in that game, so there is nothing on the Giants side uh, of the ball offensively. But they played with tremendous passion. But it was the reaction of the players after McDaniel's was fired that really. Uh, told a sign of how that locker room felt josh mcdaniels was not very popular by any stretch of the imagination they love the interim coach antonio pierce has been thrust in there former linebacker with the giants he's now the interim head coach he had them fired up today and as bad as you think the raiders are they're at four and five. I mean, they're not out of it by anything, any stretch of the imagination. So they fire the coach, they fire the GM, and they fire Jimmy Garoppolo, putting him on the bench. Aiden O'Connell, the rookie out of Purdue, is now the starting quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. So you don't often see fires in the middle of a season, but you did see that in Las Vegas. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, anything to do with shakeup. When you, whenever you have those... Uh, you know, emotional highs and lows, and this one is uh, very much an emotional high and low. Things like this can happen, especially when on the on the opposite side with the Giants, and you're losing your your quarterback. You know, uh, your newly signed quarterback uh, on the season-ending injury. Uh, Vegas took clear advantage, you know, of those, those emotions and uh, you know turned it into a thirty to six route. The real showing will be next week, where they can uh, take this momentum. And continue throughout. They don't have to win. They just got to show that, you know, they're going to be competitive. And, uh, you know, and that offense is for real and the defense is up and coming. If they can do both of those, the, you know, the future looks bright. If they don't and they veer back to where they were, you know, in the Josh McDaniel days, then this is all for naught. And the, the thing with Josh McDaniels now, I, I don't think he gets another coaching opportunity as no, a head coach. This is like his third he was job. a disaster yeah. with the Broncos. Uh, he was a disaster with my Rams as an OC. The only 
place he's ever worked has been with New England yeah. with Tom Brady. So maybe he gets another shot with uh, Bill Belichick next year to go back there. But other than that, he's clearly not a head coach. No. And there are some people that cannot be. They're good coordinators, but they're not head coaches. He clearly is not a good head coach. So Josh McDaniels, they are lighting victory cigars today after their victory over the Giants. More so, I think, because it was almost like the Wizard of Oz when the Wicked Witch of the West was killed. That's how the Raiders were wow. acting today. It was it was remarkable. I mean, wow. he, he was not very popular. Okay, in the NFC, the Eagles again with a narrow victory over the Dallas Cowboys in the other game of the day. A lot of... Uh, Talk about this game. Heated rivals. Very big, big game in the NFC East. The Eagles, as they always do, find a way to win. Dallas Eagles scored on their first possession. Dallas came back with two touchdowns. The Eagles came back with a score. Dallas goes up 17-14. The Eagles go up 28-17. Dallas comes back and literally gets stopped at the three-yard line on the last play of the game um, to fall slightly short, 28-23. The Eagles, again, they do enough to get things done. But I was telling Ernie off the air, the last three weeks, this version of Dak Prescott is the best I've ever seen Dak Prescott play for an extended period of time. That's now 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, super efficient on third down, making the tough throws that he usually doesn't make. Um, Dak Prescott playing really, really well, but the Cowboys fall to 5-3. and three. Any thoughts on that game? Yeah, I think he's been playing well, but he's getting a lot of help, especially from Pollard. Pollard had some real breakthrough runs in that particular game. Yeah, Dallas helped the lead at the halftime. I, I thought they had good momentum going into the second half. Another exciting game. That one, like you said, came down to the um, a matter of feet uh, as far as uh, you know taking that uh, the lead in that game. But Philadelphia, I've been saying that you've been playing with your food. You've been playing with your food, but you know how to eat because week in and week in out, you've been winning this way. Narrow victories. Uh, Dallas is a good team, but. Uh, other teams that aren't as talented as Dallas, uh, they've been, you know, one score wins also. Yeah, I mean, they have been, their defense is not as good as they have been in the past. Their secondary, especially. Their front line, and, and again, to close the stretch down the stretch, Brandon Graham with two sacks. They had a number of sacks on that last drive that knocked Dallas quite a, quite a ways away, which led to that last fourth and a mile play that ended at the three-yard line. But their secondary is very vulnerable. So if you have a good wide receiver like a C.D. Lamb uh, or like others, they can be they can be had. Yeah. Um, and their offense, even if Jalen Hurts has been hurt and not the same as he was last year, they're still putting up 30 points a week. They're finding a way to score. Uh, Maybe it's something in Pennsylvania where you just do good enough to win, but yeah. you keep winning Could over be. and over and over and over. So Eagles at eight and one. Again, the Cowboys at five and three, still in great position to make the playoffs. The Commanders off their win, four and five. The Giants fall to two and seven. And more importantly, Daniel Jones tears his ACL. He's out for the year. Tyrod Taylor already went on the IR this week, so he's out for a month. They are down to their third string quarterback. I don't know whose quarterback room is worse, the Rams or the Giants at this point. 
in time. <laughs> the Detroit Lions, um, they are on their bye week. They're at 6-2. and two. The Minnesota Vikings with Joshua Dobbs showing up five days ago. The Great. quarterback gets a concussion in the first quarter. He's forced to play. He rallies the Vikings to their fourth consecutive win. The Vikings go to 5-4 and four on the season. I can't believe it. Pittsburgh Steelers, fourth-string quarterback. I am so pissed off that they could not develop this guy. Off the air, I was telling Monty, this guy is a genius. Yeah, he's a rocket he's scientist. A rocket he's literally scientist a rocket from, scientist. Rocket scientist from Tennessee. Came in with all the you know high IQs. Uh, I think he was a Rhodes Scholar, too. <laughs> they didn't give him a chance. I, I always knew that this guy had the brains uh, to execute, and he, he's a quick thinker. He just didn't have the accuracy. He found the accuracy, and I expect big things from this guy moving forward. Well, he's in a good situation with a great offensive mind in, uh, in Minnesota with some good talent. Justin Jefferson should be back next week. Um, who knows? Maybe Minnesota. They went all in <clears throat> to replace Kirk Cousins. They're 5-4, and four, and again, in the weak NFC, they look like a legitimate playoff team. Green Bay gets off the schneid with a victory over my Rams. They're still 3-5, and five, and the Bears fall again. They're now 2-7. and seven. The Saints, 5-4, and four, lead the South. Atlanta falls to 4-5. and five. Tampa Bay falls to 3-5. and five. And Carolina falls to 1-7. And, and in the, in the NFC West, Seattle's loss today drops them into a tie with San Francisco, both at 5-3. and three. Marams at 3-6. And, and the Arizona Cardinals right now with the number one pick in the draft with a 1-8 and eight record. So that is our analysis of what happened this particular week. As we alluded to during the course of that, uh, Ernie goes one and one, loses with my Rams. But in fairness to him, without Matthew Stafford, Stafford. that really didn't have a chance of, of winning. So he loses that one. He easily wins the Ravens. For me, my games are still going. I had the Bengals. They are currently up 24 to 10 uh, midway through the fourth quarter. So even if they give up a late touchdown, they should be able to cover. And then I have the Jets tomorrow night. So we'll have to wait another week before you get my uh, picks. But let's talk week 10. We're in this purgatory of one win, one loss now for a long period of time. Anything intriguing next week, Ernie? Well, I'm looking at the Indianapolis going to New England. Just based upon the fact that New England has stunk it up this entire season. They did come away with a victory against the spread two weeks ago. uh, An unlikely victory in which they actually won the game outright. I'm going to go based upon the number of times that they haven't done it. And I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts going into Foxborough. Minus two over the New England Patriots. The days of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady is now Gardner Minshew and Mac Jones. Not the ex- Colts minus two at the Patriots <laughs> yeah, next not, week. Not an exciting pick, but I'm struggling. My second game, I'm going to take uh, my team, the Steelers. I was, I was off and on thinking that they, I was going to take them last week against the, uh, <clears throat> the Tennessee Titans. I did, didn't have the guts to do it. I'm going to do it this week, being that Green Bay won. You know, they're coming off an emotional high. They're going to go into the into <clears throat> Steelers' home field. Effectively even money because Steelers are only giving three. Take the Steelers, minus three, 
over the Green Bay Packers. I think, I think, I think Steelers finally score more than 25 points. All right. So those of you that follow us on social media, you saw that on Thursday we did put out before the Steeler game, take the Steelers lane, the three. So if you did follow that and you did see that, we won that one convincingly by a whole point. We covered that on a late one, but we'll take it. It's been a challenge, but we'll take any win that we can. So for me, um, next week, I am going to go, and this is really early because they haven't played yet, so things could happen. (coughs) But I think the Las Vegas line after today's convincing win is going to be a little bit inflated. The Jets currently are giving two and a half. I like the Jets to go into Vegas, handle the rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. I think the emotion of this week comes crashing down for Vegas next week. I like the Jets um, by seven points next week against the Vegas and then I don't know with Arizona. Now, Kyler Murray may play next week. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the situation is with him. So if he does play, you're going to have to tune back in because that's going to change the line here. But as of right now, I like Taylor Heineke and the uh, Atlanta Falcons to go into Arizona and cover the two and a half points against the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals really are struggling right now. Yeah. And I think at this point, they're going to have to make the decision. Do we bring back Kyler Murray or do we try to go for the number one pick? Uh, or a combination of the two. I'm not sure what it is, but for now, I'll go Jets minus two and a half. I'll go uh, Atlanta Falcons minus two and a half next week. I agree with you. Caleb Williams, that's what they're going for. They're eyeing for next season. Uh, it's over for them right now. Yeah, it's definitely over for them. So let's jump into our top five. I'll go first to save Ernie's voice a little bit because there's some topics that we're going to be talking about that I know he has passion for. Uh, not a whole lot of change in my top five. The only change would be Miami dropping out. So I still have Philly at number one. I'll Although my eyeballs are telling me that the Ravens are playing the best right now. But Philly at 8-1, I will leave them at number one. Ravens will stay at two. Uh, Kansas City will stay at three with their 7-2 and two record. I have Jacksonville entering my top five at number four. I, I omitted them last week. I'm going to put them in this week. The big game of next week is going to be San Francisco and Jacksonville. We'll see what happens with Jacksonville there. And assuming that the Bengals are going to hang on, I'm going to stay with the Bengals as my number five team. So Philly one, Ravens two, KC three, Jags four, Bengals five for me. Uh, in the interest of my voice, ditto. All right, ditto for the first eye on the for the same same first first, page. first time this whole season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, what Cincinnati is doing to Buffalo? I mean, Buffalo—they've been struggling. I'm gonna assume. I mean, it's almost it's almost academic that they're gonna win this game. Just the way they, that it's coming, miracles do happen, but it'll be so. It'll be that. It'll be a miracle. <laughs> so I will put Cincinnati. They've been playing well, like you said. Over the last several weeks, uh, I think they're deserving of that number five spot. Dallas had that chance against Philadelphia. Like I said, game of inches. Uh, it was literally 36 inches, I believe. Maybe, maybe not 36 inches. Maybe, maybe 100 inches. But they didn't make the. They didn't make an output. Cincinnati entering the top five for the first time this season. Yep. Okay, so let's transition again. That's Ernie struggling with his cough, but hanging in there, and we're doing the best that we can. 
Let's go to the NBA. So I think the biggest news of the week for the NBA was the trade of James Harden finally taking place. Harden goes from the Sixers to the Clippers. He'll make his debut early this week Mm -hmm. uh, for the Clippers. The Sixers get back, well, and P.J. Tucker. So it was Harden and P.J. Tucker. The Sixers get back a plethora of players, Morris, uh, Batoon, Covington, number one picks in 2028, pick swaps and, and the like um going back to to the sixers so the first the first thing we'll do is who wins this trade uh but there's a lot to unpack here your initial thoughts on this Harden trade i hate it because i think the sixers are better off obviously they're better off you know i didn't expect this trade to happen until february really right before the trade deadline or maybe january if that's the trade deadline <clears throat> which would probably have put the Sixers a little bit more back. I think this gives them power. I mean, the names are already, uh, you know, boiling up in regards to who they can uh, package, you know, their uh, picks and assets for. Uh, the number one guy that I'm looking at right now is Zach Levine. The Chicago Bulls have been struggling. <clears throat> they may blow it up this year. If it's not Zach, could be DeMar DeRozan, could, could be a number of players. Uh, another team that's also considering on blowing it up is probably uh, those guys up in Toronto. You got Siakam up there. They're not going to give away. Uh, uh, who was the rookie of the year last year? Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. Yeah, they're not going to give up Scotty Barnes, but they got a plethora of uh, Ananobi up there. They got a number of players that they can bring into the system in Philadelphia and making them a better team. Tyrese Maxey. He's a stud. Is, is, is taking over. Mm-hmm. I, I hate Philadelphia. I love Tyrese Maxey. I love how he plays his energy. Uh, just the way he said, uh, when he took over, he, he says, I, you know what? I get paid to play a game I love. Those are basically his words. And he says, as long as I get a chance, that's going to reflect on the court. I love his attitude. I love how he Presses the ball up. You know, next to De'Aaron Fox, I think he's the second fastest player in the NBA in that regards. Tremendous. Uh, uh, and they were teammates uh, at Kentucky. What's that? <laughs> they were teammates at Kentucky. Oh, De'Aaron Fox? Yeah. Yeah, along with and Emmanuel. Maxi. Yeah, and, and, and Emmanuel, Emmanuel Quickly. quickly on, top, on top of that. But that team is looking good. I like the emergence of Ubre over there. I mean, I think that gave him more opportunity. I think you send out Tobias Harris and a number of those. I don't think Morris or Batoon is going to give you that much leverage. I think they stay with the 76ers. I think it's going to be a combination of the picks plus Tobias Harris to get a star player. And I'm, I'm, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm eyeing Zach Levine. Do it. But don't be in a be in a. Bracket that's not with the Boston Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, oh, so let's go from the Philadelphia standpoint. I like the trade for Philadelphia as well. They weren't going to get anything out of Harden other than headaches this year. So the fact, I don't like them giving up PJ Tucker because although he, he's a glue guy and he's somebody that'll give you a hard time defensively. So I didn't like that. But like Ernie alludes to, everyone that they brought back all have expiring contracts. Buffalo just scores, it's 24. It's, waiting extra point it'll be 24 to 17 but 
everyone with expiring contracts. So if they want to leverage these expiring contracts to take on somebody that has a big salary, whether it be a Zach Levine or somebody else, I do think that that would put them in a better situation. But again, this is another uh, gain by subtraction because Tyrese Maxey, this is now his team other than Embiid. There's Embiid and there's Maxi. He's the clear number two on this team, and he has elevated his play to match that. So I love the trade um, for the Sixers. And what's your viewpoint from the Clippers side? From the Clippers perspective, I was hoping Harden would go there all along. Um, He's saying all the right things, but he has proven... uh, Otherwise, you know, with his last three stops and his constantly asking uh, to be traded when he becomes unhappy, I just don't see a way that Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George all work. It's not going to work. The only thing that I think it does give the Clippers is it gives them an opportunity with the four of them to constantly be resting one of them um, throughout the season. Because if the four are healthy for the playoffs, they could be a tough out yeah. because Kawhi is still brilliant oh, yeah. when he's playing. Oh, yeah. Paul George is still brilliant when he's playing. Harden is not. Uh, Westbrook is who he is. But I think it, it buys them time. But I do not see this helping the Clippers. They they held on to Terrence Mann like they wanted to, but they lost a lot of their depth. Um Good defensive players, but Tune is a good defensive player. Covington is a three and D guy. Morris is just like a troublemaker punk that to, to fight people. Uh, he and his brother. So I like the trade much more for the Sixers than for the Clippers. Uh, Clippers are going to get all the headlines because Hard Harden is the marquee name. But as somebody in the West. I don't believe this strengthens the Clippers. Me neither. Uh, I, I believe that this is a risk by the Clippers, but it's a viable risk because of their constantly getting hurt in the playoffs. So I understand the logic of owner Balmer trying to bring in another asset as they move into their own stadium next year, uh, breaking away from the Lakers once and for all. It's all about stars. It's all about how many people you have. So I get them trying. I just don't think this makes them better. And I'm actually happy that that the trade went through. Yeah. And my my prediction by the end of the season, they blow it up in, in Clipper land, which is sad because they're entering a new high-tech uh, arena next year and i got a feeling they're going to be starting from scratch yep so what so we're going to just talk a little bit about the nba and this is going to be your closing thought right the the play in i mean the in-season tournament that's right. happening now um those of you that follow the nba and i know a lot of people are not really following the nba quite yet <laughs> However, they're trying something new this year with an in-season tournament a la what they do uh, in soccer in Europe where you have these in-season tournaments where you break people up into 14 pods uh, and then you kind of play it over a period of time. That just started over the weekend. So I'm going to turn it over to Ernie for his thoughts on the NBA and this play-in tournament. Yeah, well, the, it, 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 it basically it started on Friday. I, I believe the way the schedule works out uh, the games are going to be every fr- Tuesdays and Friday. It started this past Friday. <clears throat> and from the games that I watched, they're trying. If the intent of this pre- uh, in-season tournament was to ga- garner interest from the fans and for the players to be more engaged in you know, playing these games, uh, coming off of day one from the preseason tournament, 
uh, A plus in my opinion. There are a number of great games. Uh, the Warriors getting that squeaker against OKC. Uh, <coughs> the Chicago Bulls <coughs> and the Brooklyn Nets played it down to the wire. Brooklyn takes it away from uh, Zach Levine on his last attempt to uh, on the game-winning shots. Every game uh, was tightly... It, it wasn't playoff atmosphere, but you saw an extra attempt from these players uh, to really want to win these games. And like I said, if that's the intent of the... the <coughs> You know, the NBA's front office, uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. We'll know more. Tuesday is the second uh, game. My Celtics don't play until uh, <coughs> this coming Friday. I believe they do it at home versus the Nets. You know, hopefully they'll still be remaining undefeated, but they play Minnesota on Monday, the 76ers on Wednesday. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose one of those games before entering the, the playoff. But I love this. I love this concept. Uh, you know, anything to garner more interest for the players. And I, I, I heard quotes from these players. They want to do it for their bench. You know, at least from the players that I've heard from the Boston Celtics, they want to do it for the bench. You know, the guys who are coming on on, on minimum balances. Uh, who really don't make I mean they still make millions of dollars but compared to the you know the starters it's pittance uh, <clears throat> yeah because the winners get f- f- uh, $500,000 yeah. so the tournament winners are going to make 500000 which for the guys on a minimum deal I believe they make like seven or 800000 that's almost 60% of their annual salary yeah. that they can make just by winning this tournament. So that's yeah. what Ernie's alluding to in terms of <laughs> but, the motivation to help. Uh, but they're in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> easy come, easy come. Yeah. <laughs> I, too, I too love the idea. I think the NBA, I, sometimes I can be critical of the NBA because I think they're too player-centric uh, and everything revolves around the players. And, and, and I think that causes some issues. But I think they got this one exactly right. I think this is clearly generating a little bit more interest. And as this evolves, even in the Champions League, nobody really cares necessarily about the first game. But eventually, once you get the pods worked out and you start advancing to the single eliminations, people are going to care. But anything that causes the players to care and be motivated and put out a good product for the public, I completely support. Because I have felt for years that the players, for the most part, really don't care about the public. Uh, and the public, to me, suffers. Whether it be exorbitant ticket prices to see players sitting on the bench or just them not really trying until it gets to the playoffs, for the most part. Um, I love the idea. And like Ernie, I watched, I didn't watch any of the games, but I saw the highlights. Many of the games were nail biters. You could feel the energy, even in the highlights. The passion, you could see the players and their passion. Uh, it was exciting to see. So I think the NBA so far has hit a home run. We'll see how this plays out. But without this tournament, nobody cares until the NFL is done. Exactly. And that's exactly what happens with the NFL. 
Ernie cares because he's a huge NBA fan, but most of the public does not care about the NBA until the NFL is done. So this seems to be working. The Bengals just get a first down. They're going to just run out the clock now. It's going to be 24-18. Bengals are going to win. So I do win my first pick of the week. I go to 1-0. I get a chance for 2-0 if the Jets can pull out a victory as an underdog tomorrow against the Chargers. All right. But I got to say this. Through the first couple of weeks, I think it's pretty clear as of right now, because they're undefeated, the Boston Celtics are the class of the NBA. I still love the Nuggets, but they they had one stinker against the Timberwolves. But Nikola is just... I mean, he's shooting like 70% from the field, 40-something percent from threes. He's almost averaging a triple-double again. Um, he's even more efficient than he was last year, which is remarkable. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Uh, Murray did get hurt last uh, in yesterday's game. He did not return uh, back in that game. Uh, I have not seen any reports uh, saying either pro or against, you know, his future with uh, his pending return with uh, with the Denver Nuggets, but I, I hope he gets back because <coughs> Denver's got a very good team. As far as the Celtics concerned, uh, I'm very encouraged by their start, but I I still remember the 2009 Celtics that started out and amazing. I don't know if it was 26 and two or 27 and two, and then Garnett got hurt, and then they lose to. The Orlando Magic, who then lose to the L.A. Lakers and allow them to win, get that much closer to the Boston Celtics in titles. So, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm encouraged, but until they get to the end, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not putting that nail in the coffin. Yeah, I mean, with them, I just, I just think they're still young enough where they're going to try harder than most teams. They're not worried about resting. Tatum balls on a daily. They're going to have to rest Porzingis from time to time. They're going to have to keep him healthy. But they are off to a fantastic start. Tatum is being Tatum. Um, everyone is being everyone at this point in time. So I think they and the, the Nuggets are clearly the class of the NBA. The Mavericks, Ernie said, he had them as his number three pick in the West. He had them as a surprise. I had them at 10. Um, they started off 4-0 until they played the Nuggets and they lost there. But uh, Luka starting off strong, averaging a triple-double yep. uh, so far. So Luka has off to a good start as well. My Lakers, on the other hand, up and down. At least we beat the Clippers last week. That's all that really matters. We got four guys injured. Uh, at this point, Rui's out, Gabe Vincent's out, Jared Vanderbilt's out, um, somebody else is out. So the de- LeBron is playing way too many minutes yeah. already but because he looks, they're all hurt. But he's, he's, been, still, he's, he's been amazing. Yeah, he still looks good. Uh, the Suns are the Suns without Bradley Bill even playing a game. Devin Booker came in one game. He was out today, yeah, so I think he again. came. I think he came in a, w- a little bit too early. But what's up with the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, what are they? Three and two? Three, yeah, I think three, uh, they're three and two. Um, I have my questions about them. I mean, Dame has been Dame so far, uh, and Giannis has been Giannis, but. There's not a whole lot else there. No defense. Yeah, the, the defense is going to... Dame, again, holiday for Dame. You're going to get better scoring. You're going to get more clutch play possibly down the stretch. A brilliant free throw and three-point shooter. 
But the difference in defense is staggering. So you have Brook Lopez, but he's now almost 40. Uh, you have Giannis, but on the perimeter, you have no one. Yeah. You have no defense at the guard spot. You're going to be solely reliant on Lopez and Giannis protecting the rim. But one-on-one out on the perimeter, it's going to be a field day. And they're giving up a ton of points so far. So, um yeah, I mean, I didn't like the trade for them. Uh, we've gone over this. I love the trade. Yeah, for I you love because you ended up with Drew Holiday. So it was a great trade for the Celtics. But to me, I think we talked about this last week. I had the Sixers further down. I moved the Sixers back up now. I think they are the third best team in the East, possibly second. Because, again, Milwaukee, uh, I have my real yeah. doubts about, the, about the, the Milwaukee Bucks. But if the Sixers can stay healthy, incorporate these guys that give them tremendous depth and length, at that three position, that three, two, three, four position, they're going to have a lot of depth and length. Uh, I think the Sixers are a much better team now. I think they could be number two uh, in the East, but the Celtics are so far ahead of everyone else, it's nauseating to me. I love it. I love it. But if the Sixers, <laughs> if the Sixers get Zach Levine, I'm going to, I'm going to. But see, even even with that, Zach Levine doesn't scare me. If I'm the Celtics, I wouldn't be scared. He doesn't play a lot of defense. He has a problem with his knee. He's never proven to be a winner in the playoffs. Uh, Drew Holiday will take care of him, uh, to me, in the playoffs. So I wouldn't be afraid of Zach Levine going there. I'd much be more afraid of uh, Anobi or Siakam, who are younger, more athletic. Maybe. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, Zach, Zach Levine has, he's a highlight maker with his three-point shooting yeah. and dunking. Yeah. But he's not, he's one of those players that to me, there's a difference between being extremely talented and a winning NBA player. <coughs> he's more A than he is B to me, mm. but he would certainly make them exciting, that's for he would, sure. He would. I, I mean, definitely uh, the way, and here's what I think in going back to the 76ers, uh, Harden, Put a clamp on Maxi. I think we now we see the true colors of Maxi. I think he really shined this year. Yeah. So they, they so they needed they need to bring in a wing player. I think Zach Levine is uh, like you said more of uh, an energy player than Tobias Harris, and uh, you know anything that makes that takes the attention away from Embiid and lets him control take control uh, that scares me because. Man, Boston took them. It took seven games last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a different Boston Celtics team this year. But don't give me Miami. Don't give me the Seventy Sixers. Actually, don't even give me the Bucks. So I'm asking a lot. <laughs> All right, and that is the NBA again, gang. We are part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Again, congratulations to Kuule and her Mililani Trojans, OIA football champions. You can reach and be in touch with Kuule and Paul Brick weekday mornings, wake up on the den, 8 a.m. till 9 a.m. on the daily, Monday through Friday, 7.60 a.m., 95.1 FM. And, of course, your home for Clipper basketball, uh, USC football, Dallas Cowboy football, OIA sports, and HPU Sports, the fastest growing radio sports network here locally in Hawaii. And we are proud to be a part of that. Social media, check us out at Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Spot on Twitter. Tell us about your top four, top five NFL teams, your top picks in the NFL, or any questions that you may have. We will be happy to chat. 
with you, good, bad, or indifferent. Ernie, anything else? I'm good. Until next week, congratulations to the Warrior football team and the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.